Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash support. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hello and welcome to episode 28, my libertarians in waiting. I am Brian McWilliams, as the woman said, and this is Electric Liberty Land episode 28, which means you can find it at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL28. Now, I do have a guest in studio with me today, the one and only man of legal mystery, Rico. I used to be a special guest, and now I'm just a guest. <laughs> now you're just a regular old guest that whenever you're in town, I'm just going to throw you on the podcast because it's easier for everybody. I guest host podcast for free room and board. <laughs> in my sweaty, sweaty hot room here, the Sweatbox Studios. So, uh, guys, but at the top of the show, I do want to take a quick moment out, though, to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, martinarmory.com. So make sure you please check them out. They have got amazing, ridiculous deals on the top 25 firearms that you are going to want to buy. So check them out. If you use the code LIONS, you get free shipping. So for all your firearms needs, please do visit our sponsor. Help us out a bit. Now, for this show today... They've got a a wide variety of topics that I want to talk about, but I do want to talk about one thing first at the top of the show, and this is something I actually did a a drunken hot take, which is one of the specials that our Liberty Pride members get, as you heard Mark mention at the very, very top of the show. So essentially, I did about a 15-minute hot take, uh, drinking a a nice amount of whiskey about this whole CNN meme gate ordeal. But I do want to touch on it briefly for those of you who are not in our Lions of Liberty Pride group and, uh, and just give you a, my quick take and also get Rico's take on this whole affair. So I mean, just to start off, to me, this whole thing was a shocking referendum on just how thin-skinned the media is and how completely ignorant they are as to the general workings of the internet and what happens when you poke the bear. Enrico, what do you think of this whole thing? I was uh, pretty surprised that they got so offended. It was pretty clearly a joke. Uh, I mean, it's pro wrestling, which is near and dear to my heart, obviously. But <laughs> clearly. Uh, like to take it that they're thinking this is abdicating violence uh, against CNN reporters, like someone's going to spear a CNN <laughs> reporter at a outside a professional wrestling ring or something. It was it seemed pretty over the top reaction. I I, oh, totally. I chuckled and I thought it was pretty funny. Um, but, you know, as far as any deeper meaning, I didn't give two thoughts about that. Well, it reminds me of like when people would would cry about the Three Stooges and they'd be like, children are going to go out and hit people on the head with a hammer tomorrow. And then you're like, well, nobody's getting hit with hammers on the head. Like, it's just it's such a crazy overreaction. And, yeah, it's just, you know, they have to push this narrative forward of woe is the media. Meanwhile, it's like, you know, it's they everybody has to be held accountable for anything they say or do to the media. Trump, by retweeting this act of violence, quote unquote. Uh, now has to be held accountable and they have to hold the Redditor or the 4chan guy accountable for his actions by threatening to dox him and expose his identity to everybody on the internet. Clearly they thought that plan ahead because it <laughs> well did thought. not backfire on them at all. <laughs> it's just, yeah, the immediate tidal wave of memes was awesome and that still continues to be awesome. Like, you're CNN, okay? You're a huge 
uh, multinational company, you know, tentacles far and wide across the globe, and you're wor- worried about what some anonymous Reddit user is making a meme right. out of? Right. I mean, wh- why even give it attention? Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, let hey, it go. Good one. Right. It's like anything. It's like when you're dealing with a bo- – well, especially when you're dealing with a troll. Then yeah. the worst thing you could do is feed the trolls. Like there's a whole reason that people say don't feed the trolls. It's because as soon as you feed them, they're like, oh, now we know what you like to eat. So we're just going to keep putting that out there to bait you. I don't know why they gave him any attention at all. If they were going to focus on something with regarding the meme, you'd think, well, why is Trump retweeting this? Like, what is wrong with him? He, he needs to focus on, you know, substance here and, and not waste his time on, was it July 4th or? It was, or I, it was around right around. Yeah, yeah, it was right around like, July 4th. Cause I remember I did my, I did my last podcast on like, then I did the quick take, I think after that, the hot takes. So it was a couple of days after July 4th, I think. Yeah, okay. So whenever it was, you just say, look, you know, uh, we disagree with Trump on this, that he's doing this, this, this. Who gives a shit about who created the meme? Right. Like, exactly. Don't, what does it matter? If you want to be mad at Trump, be mad at Trump. Don't go after this this kid, which I don't even know if it's a kid or not. They were saying it was a 15-year-old kid. I don't know if that's true or not. But, yeah, just let it go off your back. And then, I mean, <laughs> then now they're getting all upset because the uh, the 4chaners and the Redditors went out and they found CNN journalist personal info. And they said, all right, you're going to threaten to, to dox us. We're going to come back and we're yeah. going to expose all your personal info. It's like, well, this is what happens. You Don't know? <laughs> go after Internet trolls. <laughs> They're going to be able to get you faster than you can get them. Right. They're much better at this. They've been trained in this. They've been training. This is like their ISIS camps. They've been in the ISIS camps training for war. And that's literally what they call it. They're like, we're going to war, people. Yeah. They, I'm sure, you know, they, they can get whatever personal information that they want. So just... Leave them alone and let them do what they do and ignore it. But. Right. Exactly, man. And one final thing I just want to add on that, on the CNN topic, too, is that, I mean, it is it is funny, though, that the media is such, like I was saying, this accountability concept, they're such a bully when it comes, like, it's funny they're calling Trump a bully, but really the media is a huge bully. They, like, always get the way they want. And the accountability thing, you know, hold Trump accountable. Hold this Redditor accountable. Meanwhile, how much... Blood has been shed because of media doing something, putting a story out there or running with something that they shouldn't have run with, like WMDs in Iraq. You know, yeah. how many how many millions are dead? <laughs> well, there's no responsibility on their part at all. I'm sure they would say. No, so. they'll say, oh, we've got a responsibility to report the news. And it's like, well, but you have responsibility to fact check it, don't you? Have they uh, shaped, you know, any of this very uh public divide that we're having you know with the uh the whole russian scandal or where people are up in arms there's violence in the street does the media have any role in that at all oh i wonder some i don't would, know some would argue they do <laughs> which is going on right now and i posted this in our lions of liberty forum just uh just before we jumped on this podcast so you haven't seen it probably rico but there's an article on cnn that is the most cnn piece ever written and within it, it has this meeting that apparently Donald Trump Jr. was emailing with somebody about meeting with a Russian lawyer that had uh, dirt on Hillary Clinton colluding with Russia. And he's like, oh, I'd be I'd be interested in hearing what you have to say. And that was it. They never got yeah. anything else other than that. And the CNN reporter writes in his article, he's like, this is the most concrete evidence that the Trump family would have thought about talking to somebody to see if they had something well that's like i'm paraphrasing but that's literally like what it was like yeah well i did read the story and that's a pretty damning indictment on their whole narrative that that is the most concrete right, that's all that's the <laughs> that's, best they got that's it like you know 
Who really believes politics, especially running for president, is some noble game that's being played? I think, who did Hillary Clinton meet with or her representatives meet with to get the Billy Bush tapes or or anything or any of the uh, accusers of Donald Trump? They act like, you know, both sides. And I'm sure throughout the uh, nation's history have have played very dirty politics. So there's not much that's going to surprise me on this. Right. Is there, I mean, is this worse than what she did to Bernie Sanders? Uh, (laughs) A lot of evidence to that. Right. Right. Um, So it would surprise me if someone said, Hey, we got dirt on your opponent. And they're like, eh, you know what? (laughs) You seem like a shady character. (laughs) We're going to pass. If she wins, she wins, but you know, we're going to take the high horse. Yeah. No, you'd always at least be like, well, we'll see what you got. You know? All right. All right, enough on that. So moving on, next thing I want to get to in this uh, this fast-paced podcast we're doing here before Rico and I sweat out all of the alcohol that we're consuming. Now, there is a bill in play that I saw to end the, the XM Bank, the Export-Import Bank. Now, if you're not familiar with the Export-Import Bank, it is essentially the greatest tool of crony capitalism ever created. Uh, essentially, what this bank does is it gives lends, you know, it lends out massive amount of money to corporations that are basically pet projects or buddy buddies with some of the senators or that are in charge of a uh, of, of big project. So, like for example, Boeing got millions and millions of dollars ostensibly to help trade and to help them compete in the international import export market. Now. People started noticing that this is just a crony capitalist shell game, and certain people stepped up and they said, no, you know, we want to put an end to this. And what's happening now is that Justin Amash, alongside Dave Bratt in Virginia, Ken Buck of Colorado, Michael Burtis of Texas, uh, and a bunch of others have ganged together to say, you know what, we want to, we want to slay the beast. Cause it had been put on a little hiatus where they, they kind of pulled back the amount of power it had, but it still was running. And now this new bill is basically saying, we're going to end it. You can't uh, you know, make any more deals to lend out any more money whatsoever. And we're pretty much fine with it ending. And there's a lot to back up the fact that we don't even need it. And it was put into place solely as a make good for people to reward their friends in industry. For example, uh, this top 10 beneficiaries list of, of who's been doing better or worse without the export import bank. Boeing, the number one beneficiary, has continued to prosper, sell commercial planes, uh, and do fantastic business. Because Boeing's a giant company, and people need planes. Enrico, what, what's your, what are your thoughts on the XM Bank in general and this bill? <laughs> oh, really? I was just planning on saying uh-huh and sure <laughs> to everything that you said. Um, I, you know, I don't know much about it. It seems, like you said, to be a, a pretty much a, a cronious tool. Um, and uh, studies over the last few years seem to indicate that it's really not necessary. No. Um, it's just <laughs> funneling money, like you said, into you know people that are kind of had uh, good little relationships with certain senators and higher up. So um, yeah, get rid of it. Uh, it would have been great if if Trump kind of stuck to his campaign statements that he was looking to get rid of it completely. And of course, uh, like other things Trump has mentioned that little uh, statement was completely reversed once he went in the office and ignored. So that was kind of a disappointment. But yeah, yeah, I I don't see a need for it around. Uh, Anything that 
you know, as, as a worthwhile product. Just just get the government out of, you know, the trade business. Right, please. exactly. If there's and Exactly right. This is one of the things that makes a great point for the government does not need to be involved in trade. Because of all the, you know, it, basically they looked at a, a broader spectrum of have, okay, have imports and exports even been uh, affected at all since they started putting a halt to this XM bank influence? And no, they haven't. That's it. They have it at all. There's no evidence whatsoever. So yeah, get rid of the goddamn thing. Put a nail in it. Good job, Justin Amash and uh, and others. You just hired Trump to negotiate all your trade deals. If you're these uh, big companies like Boeing, just he'll negotiate a fantastic trade deal. On so good. He'll make sure that they keep all of the materials here in country. And then, although now he's talking about putting a tariff on steel, which would really, really send things up shit shit creek. By the way. <laughs> Well, I just burped, excuse me. Um, guess we'll have to use plastic for the wall in, in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, it's one of those things that cascades into all these other industries, too, because yeah. it's like, all right, you stop importing steel. Then we start a trade war where you can't get other other things that you need that are like these intermediary. You need them to do other things like this. The, the car industry, which he's so proud of resurrecting. Yeah. Uh, that is going to go straight in the shitter because they don't have any damn steel or the steel they're going to get is going to be American steel that's priced out the ass because <laughs> it's not being cheaply imported from China or wherever else. I'm sure he forgot about that statement just as soon as he, he mentioned it, so I'm not too worried about it. That's a good chance. <laughs> there haven't been any, uh, I don't know, have there been any big tariffs in, uh, put in place? Since not, not that started? I know of, but I'll tell you what. Uh, the one good that could come of this would be that the American bourbon trade is a huge amount of like, that's like one of our biggest exports around the, around the world. So they're saying one of the things that could happen is that if we start putting tariffs on steel, other nations are going to put tariffs on bourbon, which would mean the surplus of American bourbon here at home, wow. dropping the price for all of us. <laughs> well, as I explained to you yesterday, I'm not man enough to drink bourbon, so that's not going to affect me one bit. No, it's true. Rico did confess that to me. We're drinking Tsingtao at the moment, a delicious Tsingtao Chinese beer. See that? We're in league with the Chinese and their, and their cheap steel-dumping ways. We're in collusion with the Chinese, so <laughs> skyrocket up the, Apple, uh, the iTunes chart. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next topic. This one is absolutely goddamn crazy. So in Chicago, when, you know, because they don't have bigger problems to get to than, uh, than this thing I'm going to tell you about. It's not like they have 100 people get shot in the street over Fourth of July weekend or anything. But Chicago schools have now told their students that they are not going to allow them to graduate. They're not going to give them a diploma to graduate unless you lay out specific choices for your future that have to be approved by the school. Rico, what do you think about? Oh, I, I read this story a, a few days ago, and I it pissed me off. And it's just another example of fucking Chicago. How they just think in general. There, this measure seems to me to be just a way to add another level of high paying bureaucratic jobs. That's what this is going to be. There's going to be more uh, taxes to pay more people to determine if you have an acceptable life plan. And it just it pisses me off on so many levels because schooling is already compulsory. You mm -hmm. know, you shouldn't have to go to school. I mean, you know, it should be probably your ch the choice of you and and your parents. Once, right. You know, well, how many how many uh, truancy cops are employed chasing down kids that don't go to school? But it also seems to be completely unnecessary because if you have some if you have a plan that you need a, a diploma for, you're gonna 
you know, not where this is not going to affect you. If you want to go to college or a trade school or, you know, anything else that requires a diploma, you're like, yeah, I'm already doing this measure does not help you. So, or it doesn't help anyone, but it's it's not directed towards you. And if you're a a person who doesn't have a plan and you're 18, you need to be like, fuck you. I don't care. I don't need a diploma. What are you going to do later on? Well, bye. So what are you? What have you really accomplished? Yeah, well, it's uh, agreed. It accomplishes nothing, I guess. By forcing kids, they're saying, "Oh, we want them to think about their future." But again, listen to these options that they give out. This is what you have to have: is a list of options that you are allowed allowed to pursue. College acceptance letter. That's this is what you have to prove. One of these options: a college acceptance letter received in return, a military acceptance or enlistment letter. So, you know, God God knows you're allowed to go and, and fight for your country and go get shot uh, fighting in foreign wars that, that Congress hasn't approved, but you can't just sit around on your parents' couch. Uh, acceptance into a job program, acceptance into a trades pre-apprenticeship, acceptance into a gap year program, or a current job offer or offer letter. So if you don't have a plan, or if your plan is just like, well, I don't know, I'll bum around or I'll get a job at the convenience store, whatever, yeah, they don't give you your diploma. And like you said, it doesn't solve anything. If you don't, I mean, most of those jobs that you're just going to bum around and get, I guess you don't need a diploma for anyway. Right. But I mean, it's, how is it? I don't see how, how it's an incentive to any kids. And I don't see how a public school can force you to go out and, and make sure you have to, you're going to prove to them that you're going to be a viable, I don't know, contributor yeah. to, to society to get a, a degree. You went to school. You were yeah. forced to get you get your fucking degree. Yeah, right. This is what <laughs> passing and failing grades are for. If you pass all the classes, look, I satisfied your, your bullshit requirements already. So leave me alone. Um, I would like to read this comment that I saw. I wish I could take credit. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, it, it's apparently winning a lawsuit against the city after getting beat up by the Chicago police is not an approval, approved plan for the future. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Which is odd. It goes on, given that's the third most lucrative way to make money in Chicago. <laughs> Nice. So Nicely I, done. What what is that? This is not a reason article. Yeah. What was the guy's name? Citizen X. He's, Citizen X. You've he, done a sub a public service. You made me laugh. Well, you know what the other thing too that is that a lot of these people like, you know, the entrepreneurs that say, okay, well, I don't have a plan. I just I have an idea. Right. I have a you know, maybe if you show them a business plan, but it's on an accepted way. But you know, if you want to do something that hasn't been thought of yet, if you want to work at your parents' house and build the next Robbie robot uh, that's gonna drop people's Nintendo controllers on the floor, whatever the hell that thing did, then, you know, this, again, isn't an accepted plan to get a diploma, but yet it could still affect your future. It still is a wasting your time if you have to go back and do an online GED program or something like that. And, and what is an approved gap year plan? I know, at least in, in certain countries, Europe, you know, they, they go backpacking for a year, yeah. six months or whatever. Well, you're just kind of finding yourself. There's nothing. If you got the money, your family has the money. There's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. I mean, yeah. a lot of people go to college, and and we know far too many of them who went for a year or two, wasted a ton of money, and accomplished nothing. So, what, I, what is I would this argue plan? that we know many people that went to college for the full four years <laughs> and got spent a ton of money and accomplished nothing. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, hell, I consider myself among them. Uh, yeah, going to college. I, I think go, forcing forcing uh, people to think about going to college might be a bigger detriment to them than just letting them bum around for a year, to be honest. At least you're making money that way uh, to work at this Shelbron station. But yeah, this whole thing is just, it, it's complete madness. And 
again, it's like it, you look at all the issues Chicago has and you're like, this is this is the top of the list. An arbitrary decision by somebody like you're saying, what is an acceptable gap year? What's an acceptable job offer for these people? Arbitrary government deciding your future. Like completely unacceptable. I'd love to see what uh, salaries are going to be for these new positions that are going to create to review this program. Yeah. Maybe guidance counselors yeah. were uh, were up in arms. The guidance counselors union was like, you know what? We just don't have enough money or staff. We need to start rioting in the streets. <laughs> Probably half the people shot in Chicago on Fourth of July weekend was from guidance counselors expressing the rage their union's feeling. <sighs> Goddamn city of Chicago. It can be so much fun, but their policies are... So annoying. Rahm Emanuel, Obama's number one boy toy. All right, tell you what, guys, we're going to take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. I firmly believe one of the most important things you can do to protect yourself and your loved ones is to own a firearm. But for a lot of people, buying a gun can be an overwhelming process. There are just so many options and not everyone feels comfortable walking into a gun store. Well, our friends at martinarmory.com are doing their part to change that. Martin Armory was founded with a simple goal to make buying a gun simple and affordable. Instead of carrying thousands of different guns, martinarmory.com only carries 25. This allows them to focus on providing the most popular guns on the market at insanely cheap prices. And now for a limited time, their prices are even more insane as martinarmory.com is offering Lions of Liberty listeners free shipping. Simply go to martinarmory.com, pick an awesome gun, and enter the promo code LIONS. Again, that's martinarmory.com. The promo code is LIONS. All right, Electric Liberty Landers, we are back. Thank you so much for visiting our sponsor, as I know you ran to it, ran to your computer, ran to your smartphone to visit martinarmory.com, as you damn well should have. So... The story I want to come back with is actually another education story, keeping on that uh, that theme for the moment. And it happens right in my backyard at UCLA, the University of California, Los Angeles. Now, this story, which just took place, and we just found out that a professor who is of a conservative bent, uh, he actually taught a free speech class named Alex Fink. He was not going to be retained by the university. He'd been teaching for some eight years. He had gone through uh, any number of, of classes and any number of kids coming through who always gave him glowing reviews. So all of the student reviews on his classes would say, inspiring. I never thought this way. It was good to hear a, you know, a unique point of view about free speech. It uh, actually encouraged some people to become lawyers, Rico, if you can imagine. <laughs> we need more of you. <laughs> yeah, always need more lawyers. So anyway, he had a track record of excellence. That's what I want to emphasize here, teaching this free speech course on a liberal campus. And as we've seen over the past few years or past couple of decades, conservative professors are few and far between in academia. Uh, this happens for a numerous, you know, any number of reasons, but a lot of it happens wherein people that are liberal tend to go into academia. They tend to get uh, higher up and they have hiring and firing ability. And so they say, OK, well, I'm going to hire people that I think are honest and trustworthy. And of course, if you're the one that has a liberal bias, you're going to hire people that you think are honest and trustworthy. And oh, what a coincidence. Those people happen to have a liberal bias as well. So what happened was that this professor, Alex, was up for review. And he went to a, a board of, I guess, uh, associates that were and colleagues that were supposed to review him. Uh, I believe it was a total of six and put forth his argument for why he should stay, which they then 
on a basis of three to three deadlocked on whether or not he should be granted, I guess, a full professorship and be able to stay and teach at the university. This is, again, in spite of all of the positive reviews from former students of his. It went to a dean, Laura Gomez, who is the dean of, uh, I guess, the social sciences at UCLA. And she then, after a couple week hiatus of, quote unquote, thinking about it, told him that he would not be being retained at the university, a decision which infuriated uh, basically, I'd say all of his students and infuriated his associate or his uh, teacher's assistant, teacher's aide, who had been helping out with the class. So, Rico, what's your thoughts on on this happening? And in a broader sense, is this something that we're going to see continue across the nation? Well, I don't think it's anything new. Um, I wish this particular story had more than just his kind of account. Uh, reading it, it seems like hey, UCLA just denied it and he doesn't have much. I mean, he can speculate and his speculation is probably correct. Uh, if in fact he was, you know, a, a conservative bent, um, to his teachings. But, you know, just based upon what that I saw, it's like, eh, they just didn't retain you. Now, it, it's almost ironic in a sense that, um, a free speech professor's free speech <laughs> was trampled on. <laughs> so it's like, folding in on itself here if if he ever you know, wanted to kind of sue them maybe if, if there's a lawsuit because UCLA is a you know a state school yeah so they cannot be infringing on someone's you know state rights I, I don't think there's any allegations that he did anything inappropriate in no no there's there there's no uh no fingers being slid into any crevasses of students that I know so it'd be <laughs> it would be interesting to see like if he actually ever did sue them and got discovery on all these um, student reviews that he had, and they're all 100% positive, and there's no complaints by other faculty. Yeah, well, yeah, what was... exact criteria they used to let him go? That would be interesting. Well, that's the thing. I was reading because I read a couple of different articles on this, and they said it was a he didn't live up to the quote unquote uh, standard of excellence. That you know, so yeah, so it's a very arbitrary right. decision. But it's also it's based on these reviews that that students put in, and they're based on for some reason the most you could get is a nine. So mm-hmm. his average rating in these reviews was eight point seven which not is bad. pretty 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 good to me yeah that's that's <laughs> not bad um so you think if you have a professor who your students like and you're in the business of attracting more students or future students to your school you would keep popular professors who do a good job teaching that that would seem to be the criteria you'd want to look out well apparently he was violating not the safe space of these students but clearly he was violating a safe space with his ideas of the dean and three yeah. of her crony colleagues yeah i so I would be fascinated if anything like that actually came to be. I I fear this guy's um, teaching career at other institutions is probably not going to be helped by yeah. him or his story being on uh, Tucker Carlson. And yeah, true. So, well, that's, that's the problem too. Is it's all these you know the conservative news outlets are who does cover it though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Dave Rubin, who's now he's been slandered from the Rubin Report, which is a good podcast to listen to, a good good YouTube channel. Former uh, you know liberal, and he calls himself a classic liberal. He covers these kind of stories all the time and he's been labeled as a right-wing you know an alt-right extremist commenter just because he's defending basic civil liberties and the basic concepts of what should be a classic libertarian or liberal view which this falls into free speech you know the equality of ideas the for for debate in a forum yet all these institutions keep consistently shoving them out and so you're going to get this homogenous uh slush coming out of universities yeah it's 
the universities are doing a disservice, it seems to me, by only sharing one school of thought, one point of view. I know, I know when you know we were in school, and I was a political science major. It was there was I think one political science professor who was a conservative yeah. leaning professor. Everyone else was far far left. And I that I wasn't I never agreed with the left's position. So, but you had to take their classes. So you know, I I just kind of put down the yeah, answers. Yeah, you're like, like the Nazis, man. You're like the you're like the people that were I that just, were shooting the Jews. You went along with it. I just rolled my eyes at the <laughs> bullshit that I heard in some of those classes, and when I did show up, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. You know, I was listening, and I apologize, I can't remember what I was listening to or who was saying this, but it was a teacher at a university who was conservative, and he was saying that the problem is now that, like you said, you just have to go along with it. You know, you're sitting there and you're like, well, I want to pass. You know, I, it's not worth me making a stink and getting failed, which I actually got a D in a class because I made a stink and disagree with a professor. Over. It was a poetry class, though. <laughs> I think you've told me this before. I probably did. He, he, he told me my interpretation of a poem was wrong. And I was like, <laughs> how can an interpretation be wrong? Anyway idiots that's the independent thought we're looking for here <laughs> but yeah i mean you don't want to you don't want to get thrown under the bus in your class and get a get an f if you're trying to you know pass a class so yeah you just kind of go along with it but especially if you're going to become a lawyer or something where you need critical thinking skills you'd think you'd want to hear people that have divergent opinions on things so you could actually weigh different schools of thought it's going to help you down the road if you're trying to trying to make an argument and you need to whether or not you're on the prosecution or defense's side of things being able to see the other person's side of the argument and think in different ways is going to aid your ability to be successful. Yeah, I, I mean, exactly. You do have to see both sides of the issue, at least when you're being tested in law school on the bar exam. I remember that much. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, in class, you should be free to kind of express, you know, your personal viewpoint and, and why you feel that way. And if your personal viewpoint is being told, uh, no, you're wrong. Right. I mean, <laughs> Like, what the fuck? Um, you know, it's, I've said it before. I, I guess the best way to really show or, or send a message to a school is to vote with your wallets, not go there, not have your, your, your parents not pay for your school there. But, I mean, <laughs> how much of a dent could that possibly make at a school like UCLA with, I don't know, how many, 30,000, 40,000 yeah. kids go there and, you know, a hundred don't go. They're they're not going to notice. There's going to be a hundred more to take their place. So well, exactly, especially really, as a fallback school for all of Los Angeles, <laughs> essentially. Right. So they seem to be, you know, without check on their power to dictate what viewpoints are being taught in in class, and that's a bad sign for higher education. That it is shameful. All right. Next story I want to talk about, and we'll make this. We'll wrap it up on this one. We'll cut. You'll cap this podcast in about 40 minutes so Rico and I can go towel the sweat out of our pits. Not together, mind you, separately. <laughs> Damn. I know. Uh, the, so this, you know, Seattle, they recently, uh, there was a recent news, you know, paper that came out, a study on Seattle's $15 minimum wage, which was pretty damning, although also very confusing. And a, a, a friend of mine who is of liberal bent uh, named Gill, who commented on my Facebook page about this, but he was right. He pointed out that they did this study, which basically said that that a massive amount of jobs were lost from the $15 minimum wage because who's going to pay $50 minimum wage for this, you know, for medial jobs? No one is. But he said that also, pointing this weird, weird little side note out, they did find that people's wages increased or the amount of jobs increased for jobs that paid like $19 an hour. So, 
there's different reasons for that. And this isn't in the initial topic I want to get to. And, but, but Rico, what's your take? I mean, it seems to me that this minimum wage, they put the kibosh on it from the people that are hiring kids. You know, they're like, I'm not going to pay somebody $15 minimum wage. Instead, what I'm going to do is not hire as many people. I'm going to give somebody else a raise. So they're going to be making $19 an hour. And now they're going to be working more hours well, or doing a different they're position. Be more productive. Right. Exactly. I more mean, that's what you're, for- you're looking for. You're not looking for, uh, quantity you're looking for quality right so you know if you can staff your mcdonald's with 10 people making you know seven bucks an hour and fine and dandy but once they say oh no you got to pay everyone 15 dollars you're gonna say well look i'm gonna pick three or four people because what what's you know face it it's not mm-hmm. rocket science <laughs> right here um you can ring up the person and then hand them their food or right. you yeah. can multitask <laughs> we'll pay you to do that you know what i mean yeah, and you're getting incentives. Works. You're going to work harder because you're getting paid more money. You're excited to stay and make that more money. And it's like, yeah, you know, all these exactly right. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. And that was the only outside thing which made the study a little confusing. But yeah, overall, it still doesn't help the most poor, down, downtrodden people get jobs. It doesn't help people trying to enter the job market get jobs. No, I, the thing that's affecting the the you know the thing that affects the poor more than their wages is the cost of living. Right. And so you can pay minimum wage workers $20 an hour. And guess what? Everything's going to yeah, cost everything else more. Goes up. Yeah. The, so rent that's goes not up, addressing the up. central <laughs> problem here, you know? Yeah. The left doesn't seem to understand that, that, that basic concept of economics and where, yeah, everything, just like look at inflation. If, I mean, inflation didn't exist, then why are we all paying so much more money? And they don't understand this is basically just an inflation in the wages market, artificially yeah. introduced though. So before, everything adjusts, you're going to have businesses that are going to say, well, I can't afford to stay in business any longer right. because they can't afford to make those those wages and they can't raise the prices when people don't expect them yet artificially. So they're just going to, yeah, just going to be screwed. Well, this is what we all anticipated when we talked about raising the minimum wage. I think when Bernie was talking about this nonstop in the primaries, like, look, you can raise the, uh, the minimum wage, whatever you want. That's There's going to be an unintended consequence. That's mm-hmm going to, again, negatively impact the poor. Right. So your solution is nothing but a talking point. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. So with that said, talk about this minimum wage. So that was the most recent thing, the minimum wage, which they're still still keeping for now. And now Seattle City Council wants to introduce a new tax of 2.5% on the rich, which officially, according to the Washington State Constitution, is illegal to do, but they're trying to find some way, shape, or form to do it. Now, Rico, I know you're not a tax expert, but you are a legal something. So what's your take on this? I mean, how many lawsuits are going to be forthcoming? There's going to be a lot of lawsuits. Um, It'll be interesting because the lawsuits will likely start off in Seattle. (laughs) And... uh, you know, God knows what those judges will say because yeah. they're most likely liberal judges. And so what you'll might see is an injunction of some sort, but I, I doubt even that uh, until it goes to at least the state court of appeals. And I can't see any way that, well, I mean, I guess anything's possible in, in the state of Washington, but likely not going to be upheld this tax. I, I can't see that. It's it's against the state constitution. It, and it's not like it's a new issue. This has been attempted multiple times in Washington in the past, and it's failed each time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what 
makes it different this time other than people in the chant in the streets chanting pay your fair share blah 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 <laughs> right and you know it's people making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year they're they want people that are paying two hundred thousand dollars a year to pay an extra tax like you fucking asshole <laughs> what if the line was drawn at one hundred forty thousand dollars oh well then it'd be 10 yeah it's crazy talk <laughs> and they say oh, i'd be happy to pay oh uh, yeah well you know what there's a solution go give your money away to the next homeless person right you say, yeah. hey you got an extra 10 grand you you don't feel it's fair that you're not being taxed go take it down to the homeless shelter or give it to charity right. whatever. private I mean, charity ah. exists for a reason it shouldn't be charity should not be at the point of a gun which is basically what they're doing they're saying we want to make sure that you give to the less the less fortunate and we're going to throw you in jail if you don't do it or force you to leave and this is like a perfect storm because you look at okay you got seattle which is now has a 15 dollars minimum wage so it's going to be artificially increasing the cost of everything which is going to force yeah. people that do want to stay there and want to keep their employees there well they're either going to move and say screw seattle which you're going to see a lot of i promise that yeah. or they're going to say well i guess i got to fire some people and pay my employees more as we saw with the earlier instance but that also will echo through to the upper echelons so these people that are currently saying well we want the rich to pay more because of the artificial inflation they're introducing to this are going to end up paying more anyway because they're going to make more eventually and then they're going to have to pay more money through the taxation and then they're going to say we need to raise the tax again it's all just it's like it's (laughs) how do they not understand what they're doing there's also going to be flight Oh yeah, a lot. I'm sure not everyone. You know, some people say whatever, uh, but I'm sure there will be a good number of people that live in Seattle say, "I'm not not paying an extra." You know, if you're making a few million dollars a year, like Mm -hmm. whatever that is, it's like over two hundred thousand dollars. Even that, you say, "Well, you know, I can make two hundred thousand dollars somewhere else, where I don't have to. I'm not going to get taxed out the asshole." Yeah. Or I'll just live somewhere else and save that money. Right, drive in. Yeah. Like businesses do remote businesses. You don't, you're not necessarily tied to the city as much anymore as, you know, you might have been in the past. Yeah, that you're making more money, people with families. Well, it's like, I remember uh, Philadelphia introduced a soda tax and there were massive layoffs at uh, all sorts of grocery stores because people just said, well, if you're going to tax us 15% more on soda or whatever it was, 50% more on soda, something insane. Well, we're just going to, drive out of the city to get our soda and that's what they all did and it's going to be a similar thing where people are just going to say all right well i'll move my i move my business right outside the city limits and you guys can all suck a fat dick and uh and then they yeah, will leave it at that i think this is all going to end up with uh starbucks and alaska airlines moving their headquarters to cleveland oh well we're gonna, in I'm a gonna perfect pitch, world gonna pitch a plan <laughs> to the mayor frank jackson say no taxes <laughs> they're gonna be like all right revitalize downtown how do we say <laughs> no to cleveland all right that's a probably good place to end it up before we both dive dehydration in here so to wrap it up guys i do want to remind everybody to please give us a review on itunes it is important we're trying to get our rankings up so please do go to itunes give us a nice five-star review or a one-star review i don't know it depends on how many shows the rico you heard Hello. uh also follow us on twitter I'm at Brian McWilliams. Follow at Lions of Liberty, please. Don't forget to listen to Mark Clare with his in-depth interviews on Mondays. He just did an awesome interview with Camille Foster of the Fifth uh, Column. And also John Odermatt, good old Odie, on Felony Fridays with a look at the justice system. Those are fantastic podcasts. Also, guys, I have some big news. Big, big news. And that is there will be Electric Liberty Land shirts available at LionsofLiberty.store as of today. 
Yes, our friend, uh, the great Dan Smots, has designed a new Lions of Liberty t-shirt for us. You can also listen to Dan, by the way, on the System is Down podcast, so check that out. It's pretty fun stuff. A lot of conspiracy talk there. So, make sure you check out the new uh, t-shirts. Maybe maybe even buy one. And in fact, why don't you join the Lions of Liberty Pride, then you get a free t-shirt, and you get all this sort of extra content, like my drunken ranting about CNN. Ah, so much to like. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up. So from me, Brian McWilliams, from Rico over here, our great legal mind, and from all of us at Lions of Liberty and Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.